Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Fate of the Furious. Uh, but before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? On this podcast, we like to talk about the Fast and the Furious movies. We've That's the only thing we've ever done on this podcast for the past 350-something episodes. We've only talked about Fast and Furious movies. Uh, it's like one of those, like... You know, like one of those like minute by minute podcasts. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. I you, we wouldn't even be like through the second movie at that point, right? Three hundred. Uh, uh, you know what? Maybe we would be. We we might just because the the beginning ones were a little bit shorter. Yeah. As as uh, listen, if we're in Tokyo Drift, I'm a happy camper. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so today we're talking. We're actually talking about games, and we talk about games, but we're talking about Fast and Furious movies because I got COVID at PAX. So I couldn't go see any of the movies that we're supposed to go see in theaters, like Dungeons and Dragons and John Wick Four, and yeah. like there's a million of them. Um, so, but the, you know. the the highest priority is of course Fast X. So <laughs> yeah, we are true. <laughs> yes, and we're pretty close, right? Yeah, yeah. Fast, when, when, let's see, Fast <laughs> X. When do you come out? So Fast X comes out May nineteenth. So in five weeks. All right, and we have and we what? have two movies to go from here. Fast Nine and Hobbs and Shaw, right? Yeah. All right. <coughs> um, Excuse me. And then like, there's the, uh, there's like the Super Mario Brothers movie in there somewhere. So, oh my god, yeah, yeah. we're all movies for the next five or six, seven weeks at this point. Jeez, Louise. Yeah. What a world. We'll figure it out. All we'll all figure movies it out. until uh, we hit like, <laughs> until we hit Diablo Four. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, so. With that said, um, let's jump into kind of like initial impressions, pre-spoilers, uh, buddy. Okay, wh- what are your unvar? I want to hear your unvarnished opinion of this All one right. uh, first because um, it's interesting. So, the beginning part of the movie, like the, the opening of the movie, was like I was like I think this is jumping the shark. I am like not into some of this stuff, but it manages to pull me back in towards the end. Um, I still don't think it's as good as as. Uh, which one? Um, which one's the one with the plane? Six. Six. Yeah, I think six is still my favorite. Um, uh, but is this better than five and seven? Which I think were the un- the two under six, right? Yeah. Um, well, no. So six and three are my are like my tops for different. Oh, reasons. I see. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. But um, but this is. I think I like it better than five, but I wouldn't like swear to that. Um, part, part of it is just like, there are some things about this movie I really like, and there's some things that I kind of don't, um, like there's a bit in the middle and I don't want to go into spoilers here where like they try and go like a little bit philosophical on you. Um, and it's just very dumb, but also kind of the point of the movie is that she's wrong. Um, and so, uh, that kind of redeems it for me. Um, with that also, I thought I was like, are they like kind of like losing that sincerity, which is kind of like what I like about these movies? Like, no, not really. So that's why it kind of pulls me back towards the end. Um, there's also another thought that I'm, I'm going to say this and we'll go into it in the spoiler section, but it's going to be kind of like one of those bombs, but it feels like the matrix four was this movie. If somebody like decided to take like the themes more seriously, this is a very thin read, but I've got like, I was like. There, there were a couple of moments where I was like, when she's doing the, fil- um, 
when the philosophical stuff is happening, I'm like, this is like a bad, this is like bad Matrix writing. And then there were a couple more moments that I'm like, this is closer than I want it to be, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I was like, this is kind of weird. But that's like that. That's like a, a side conversation. We'll have that in the spoiler section. Uh, buddy, how okay, do you feel this, about this movie? I, uh, I I find Fate of the Furious to be the weakest of the modern era, right? So everything kind of post Fast Five, um, mostly because I think it is a a movie kind of being ripped at the seams by its two most powerful forces, right? On one end, you have the raw sort of, you know, super sincere drama as sort of um, typified by Vin Diesel's Dom, right? When he, there are some scenes in here that I think he is acting more seriously than I have seen like Daniel Day-Lewis takes like shoot some shots before you know what i mean um I'm, again i'm not gonna go to spoilers as well but this guy he takes this stuff super seriously this is why i like the movies right i like the fast and furious movies um and he represents sort of one side of things the other side of things is unfortunately represented by another guy who i like quite a lot but i think is overbearing and the worst for these movies, and that's The Rock. So, um, famously, the the tension between The Rock and Vin Diesel was so huge here that they never they don't share a single shot together. They never say a line to each other, right? They only ever talk like over a phone or like over walkie-talkie or whatever. Um, and part of that is because The Rock wanted to lean into this kind of like campy goofiness, and Vin Diesel hated hated that and i have to say at the time i didn't agree with this at the time i just kind of was like oh well, whatever it's all sort of fine but going back and watching them all sort of like in order again and particularly watching fast nine f9 okay i was like vin diesel's right rock the rock i'm sorry you're wrong buddy like you you lower what these movies are and can be by, with your presence, and I'm kind of glad that you leave after this one, because this is the one that shoots off the, um, the spin-off Tobbs and Shaw. Um, <laughs> there, there's a lot of pieces, you know, there's a lot of pieces behind this to, like, make it work the way that it, that it does, uh, but unfortunately, those two things kind of being torn apart are just like really painful it feels like to kind of watch because you go you're going through this whiplash right where you know major characters are dying characters who have been in the series for multiple movies at this point right um and then you're going to like an like an action comedy bit that feels like a mid-2000s dvd that my mom picks up at the gas station and it's like do you want to watch you know, the, the the Tooth Fairy with Dwayne The Rock Johnson? That's kind of like what it feels like. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. so and so that's why I um am I am not a lover of the Fate of the Furious. I also think that this is the furthest that the modern era gets from cool car stunts, which is like to me, core to the sort of appeal of these movies, right? Part of what makes them so fun and part of what attracts me to them, right, is the stuff that's like in Fast 6, the tank. You know, <laughs> this tank shows up and it's crunching cars. And I could talk about that tank crunching cars like all day, right? Or the Formula One ramp things 
from um from fast six just like ramping them them off or whatever like that this is this is somebody got going okay these movies are about cars we're gonna do real practical stunts with our cars how do we do that right in fast five you know you have the two cars with the safe and you have you have them jumping the train failing to jump the train the thing is in the train um in Fast Six, you have the tank, you have uh, the 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 rampy the rampy cars or whatever. Um, even in in Furious Seven, which we talked about this, I also sort of thought thought was like a jump the shark moment because there's some stuff in here that I do think is legitimately stupid and dumb. Um, but there's a lot of you know there's also just like a lot of stuff that you can kind of get connected to. I'm I'm not really connected to basically any of the car stunts themselves um in this one though there is one thing about the action that i do like that we'll talk about in spoilers i guess so yeah there we go yeah um all right well with that um i guess we'd say it's not the strongest entry but i also don't think it's the weakest entry um what what is the what is the the cultural consensus on the weakest entry i think for me it's still four four yeah okay that makes sense the uh the the cultural consensus is that fast five is the best four is the worst right um honestly i don't know maybe there are people who could go nine is the best maybe i would even go nine is the best i've only seen the nine the one time and i didn't really rank it at that point so i guess when we do nine we will have a definitive ranking for where it is yeah no okay that's uh, that that is fair um i can see that though like force kind of the redheaded stepchild bridge between you know, Tokyo Drift, which kind of goes off in its own direction, and, uh, you know, the kind of modern movies that kind of start with five. I still, for my money, six is still the best. Um, it's like, because, like, to your point about, like, this movie, like, Dwayne wanting to move in the caveness, I will agree with you that, like, there's a level of camp to this movie, but it's, like, drenched in sincerity. Um, or there's a level of camp in, like, the series. It's, like, kind of drenched in sincerity. But I agree with you that The Rock clearly wants to make this into, like, a wrestling match, which it is not quite. Um, like... The. All right, we'll, we'll get into spoilers. Spoiler warning here. Spoiler warning here. Spoilers for F Fate of the Furious. Probably every other movie in the series. All right. Um, but yeah, just to, f to finish that thought, I would say um, it feels like the the fight between like the the escape the jail scene is like a it's kind of like a cage match, right? Like a Royal Rumble type thing. Um, that felt like it was meant to be like a wrestling, and it's, it's also like. Too over the top, right? Like, I I feel like the stunts are easier to swallow when it's cars. Because even though, yeah, you probably couldn't do that, it's at least, like, vaguely believable. This is also like, kind of, like, the, my issue with, like, you know, you know, landing on the car and it works, right? Like, that's not great. But, like, there's a point at which it's, like, you know, The Rock takes a point-blank rubber bullet and just is, like, yeah, whatever, Right, and it's like doesn't do anything. It's like this is a little bit too much, right? Like this is this is kind of like superhero level, right? Um, also, the fucking uh, and I, I also feel kind of bad about like I also don't quite like this is when when um when Dom is stealing the nuclear codes, he's in like this fucking like Punisher outfit with like a riot shield and a like a. a, a Can I like, just go back to a second and say one just one second. The sentence, when Dom is stealing the nuclear codes, <laughs> as a part of this film franchise, which again, started with street racers stealing DVD players off of tractor trailers. That's where this started. And Dom is 
Stealing the nuclear clo- nucle- nuclear clo- codes. Yeah, that's a real thing. That's nuclear happening. codes easier to carry than DVD players. <coughs> so you know, Russian nuclear codes, which you know definitely. I mean, there's a part of me that just wants to go. This doesn't make any sense. Why would the defense minister have nuclear codes? Yeah, Russian nuclear codes in the United States. In a motorcade. In a motorcade in the United States. Why would a a Russian – like, maybe if it was, like, the president of Russia, I'd get it. But, like, why is there a motorcade for a defense minister? (laughs) Why why any of this, right? Like (sighs) – Yeah, yeah. I, I, I am with you. Right down the line, 100% of the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the funny thing is, like, I don't mind some of, like, the ridiculousness. For instance, the the chain of logic typically works for me, movie to movie. But this one makes makes it harder for a couple of reasons. But um, the chain of logic of, okay, in 4, we're taking down a drug cartel, right? It's using... Los Angeles street racers. Okay, I can buy that, right? You know, Dom is enmeshed in the street racing culture. Brian is an FBI agent. I, it wouldn't make a ton of sense. It would be the DEA, right? But sure, we'll let we'll just let it go and say I understand how law enforcement and this criminal might be might be involved in taking down this like major criminal operation. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then you go to Fast Five, and they're all and they're all criminals, and now they are robbing, you know, another criminal. Okay, I'm on board for that, right? We haven't quite we haven't quite jumped it out yet. But then with Shaw in 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 uh, Fast and Furious Six, Shaw is explicitly an international criminal, right? Right. And he's an international criminal that's vaguely related to Luke Hobbs, and Hobbs recruits the Fast and Furious team to take him down, and then you later find out that he has deeper connections to Braga, right? Who is the person they took down in four? Okay, the chain, the the like that chain, like gets me far enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Even though I am going from fundamentally street racers in four to fighting international terrorists in six or whatever. Um, (coughs) But there's a part in this movie that just like, I think is insane where. um, Actually, it was all related to Cypher. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. Where, where Cypher says that Dom took out two of my previous teams. Right. And you just find out that Shaw and um, and the warlord from Furious Seven, right? Yeah, we're just like working for Cipher, and that's what cracks the the facade and sort of like ruins it for me because it's just like you know what? Like, hold on, this doesn't make sense. This is not real, right? Like, we can all agree this is ridiculous. Um, and I don't know what it is about those, but it was that line that just like caught me like a fish hook in my cheek, you know? And I just couldn't go any further. Yep. No, I definitely feel that. I mean, part part of part of the this this happened this happened to us with uh, Free Guy as well. Um, is kind of like I know enough about how things work that like the hacking stuff, like it was bad in the last movie. It's worse in this one. Um, <laughs> you know, although we get a great demonstration of why like hacking in movies is never great, right? It's like you know, two people like keyboards, like oh, she's really good, and <laughs> then we get like. <laughs> um, <coughs> The kind of like uh, 
you know, we, we, we get these weird moments. Um, to go back to the Matrix point, when she, like, first of all, zero-day exploit. That was, like, decent use of the term. I don't know that they would let it would let you, I'm, in fact, positive it would not let you automatically drive cars, um, especially when this movie was shot. But, like, you know, that was a correct use of the term. Okay with that. But this is also the thing that made me think of The Matrix 4. Because, like, it's like, make it rain and the cars start committing suicide. And I'm like, oh, this is like that scene in The Matrix where, <laughs> <laughs> where they start jumping out of windows. I forgot about that scene. But that's true. That is, uh, I guess, a pretty conceptually similar Yeah, and, and it's, it's not that close, but, like, it feels like, it feels like our villain, Cypher. Um, Cypher's the name of the villain in the first Matrix movie, isn't it? True. Yeah. It, it feels like Cypher was, like, pulled out of, like, was, was, like, a bad Matrix villain in some ways. Or, like... Yeah, because she has this whole thing about choice or whatever. Which is, like, the, uh. the, like fate versus choice is, like, the whole theme of the Matrix. We, we, we did, our, we did yeah. our Matrix theories, right? Yep. But, uh, but, like, it was, like, this, this feels like a weird appropriation of that. Um, but, like I said, it, it came around at the end because Dom's just, like... No, that's dumb, and like kicks it in the head, and, and you know, and that brings him back. I, I, he has a line in here that I like quite a lot, which is the like, um, you know, the problem with like uh, taming a tiger is you got to keep your foot on its neck, neck. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and to me, that seems like a much better sort of philosophical underpinning for what Cipher is going for, and kind of the risks that she's undertaking, and all of this stuff about choice. I was just like. I don't know, man. Miss miss me with some of with some of that stuff. But I do like I I'm I'm not mad about the plot of this movie all that much, right? Like the general sort of movement sure. of plot point from plot point is not a huge deal for me. Um, it is mostly about this whiplash of tone between you. Essentially, sort of have these Dom scenes where you know, like he's with Cipher, and you can tell he's like just like bristling with this like you know, macho rage that is best typified by the the way that his his lips get real tight when he delivers his lines. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like and um and then you I feel like I am walking into honestly like a bad Marvel movie, right? With some of these uh like kind of bathos moments or whatever. Um, um I think Roman's the worst he's ever been um in this Oh movie. really? I okay, funnily enough, I actually do like Roman in this movie, and I like his his bits quite a lot in this movie compared to some of the previous movies. But yeah, I mean, I this is like a cinnamon cinema sins level complaint. But he's like, I want the orange car, and a uh, little nobody's like, no, it has to be low profile. And then in the next scene, Letty is driving, you know, a bright red fucking car, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and he's driving a he's driving a Bentley. Well, so okay, <coughs> I don't want to be too mean. <coughs> let me let me give this mention because I this is part of what's what's fun about this movie to me, which is that they are like it's like they are expressing themselves via superheroics with their cars, right? I love that this is sort of the archetypal moment where everyone has their kind of car and all of their cars have like not super not like quite superhero moments, but it's like when the rock is driving his big truck, he's doing big truck things, right? Like crashing through all of the scaffolding that just fell, right? Um 
or Letty does that does this thing where you know she's driving on on like two wheels yeah. and then it, and then it comes out like, like all the, all of that kind of stuff I think is super is like super fun the insane amount of horsepower in Dom's car that lets him like one v five when they're doing their thing with all of the when they're trying all to of the cables the car. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's just like all of all of that stuff works like gangbusters for me and I do quite like it um, just in terms of like setup again I don't I don't think that they did anything really like neat or interesting with them like on on a stunts level um because I kind of mostly think I don't like the submarine thing at the end I mostly think the submarine stuff is kind of hacky and bad um and the New York stuff I'm half and half on. I do like the concept of the zombie cars, but I don't like the execution, really, right? Um, and I think a lot of that just comes down to practical versus CGI. I'm, I'm sure that there were plenty of practical cars in there. <coughs> One of the things that's true about earlier and later um, versions of the movie, or um, of the series, is that they mix a lot of practical and CGI stuff, right? Like, there is stuff, um, like, one of the things that they do in Fast 9, I'm not going to spoil any details, but they basically show a car crash, and the way that they did, they filmed that car crash was they actually just flipped a car, like, a million times, right? With nobody in it, right? Um, and then they transposed CGI kind of, buff, like, all around it, so it's in a different environment, right? Basically crashing this car in, in front of a green screen um, and, and using the CGI to kind of, like, embellish it or whatever. I think that works great, uh, but there's just, like, a lot of stuff in here that is just, like... I don't know. The zombie, the zombie car stuff was a little, a little ridiculous, and uh, and there's no good car like gimmicks, I guess. You know, in the same way that like the tank is a good gimmick, or the or the racer ramp cars are just like a good a good gimmick to add to you know to make your stunts like cool and interesting. Um, so yeah, and part of that is that Roman drives that stupid Lamborghini on the fucking ice lake, and he keeps spinning out. Which I thought is legit. I like that to me is like legitimately funny. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, he and he gets his cool moment, right? He gets this, like, I'm tired of the shit mm -hmm. and shoots everybody. It's like, okay, yep, that is that one. is the thing. Yeah, that is the thing I like about Roman in this one. Um, and I and I do like that he is not explicitly like a coward, like he was with the the oh, yeah. airplane one in. Seven, Seven bothers me because it is explicitly cowardice, right? He is, um, you know, he is being afraid or whatever. Uh, but yeah. <coughs> yeah. Um, uh, also, the, uh, the, the torpedo scene is much less absurd than I remember it from the trailers. So, you know, I think, I think that's a point in his favor, actually, right? Because, like, you know, he kind of just like shoves it, which is much more reasonable than you know what I like. I like in my mind's eye, right? It's like he like heaves the torpedo at a at a with his bare point. hands. He, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's still ridiculous, but it's like much mm. more reasonable than it than it was. Um, uh, but yeah, it's um, you know, like seeing Tormund in another role. That was like I was like, yeah, that's the guy from 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 Game of Thrones. He's, he, where's the big woman? Where's the big woman? You know, the, that line that everybody loves. Uh, <laughs> I, I like Torment better than most mini-bosses. Yeah. No, I, know, I, I feel like that. there's a lot of mini-bosses in these movies, and, and he is probably among the best of them. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. He's, uh, he's got the appropriate amount of, like... I think he, I honestly like him better than Cypher, 
right? Because Cypher just, kind of, like I said, comes off as kind of like, you know, like some weird e-girl kind of almost, right? Like, but for the scene where she goes toe-to-toe with, um, with Ramsey, right? Like, I was like, oh, she's the world's greatest hacker, but it's actually like an Asian dude who's like doing all the work, right? Like, um, but she does have a scene where she actually like goes toe-to-toe, I guess, because she needed to hack fight Ramsey, because that's how that works. I, I, you know, like, I, I don't mind that stuff. Yeah. yeah uh, but, because, you know, like, Ramsey's sure. thing is that she's, like, a hacker or whatever. You right. know, it, the, it is what this, it is. Like, the, the kind of, like, Ramsey, um, what's Ludacris's character's name? Tej. Tej. The kind of, like, Ramsey Tej kind of, like, you know, hardware versus software kind of thing is, like, like, we, it feels to me like if you asked a meathead, what difference between like male and female nerds are, right? Like, it'd be like, so males do hardware and the females do software. Right? It feels like a very kind of like, you know, dogs are boys and cats are girls level take. Um, but, you know. W- women are from Mars, men are from Venus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or w- the reverse of that, but whatever. Yeah, wh- whatever, right? Like, um, but, you know, it's a fun dynamic, right? Like, I don't really like buy the love triangle thing at all, right? Um, it feels like, it feels like it's just, it, it's got to be Tej, um, like mm-hmm. maybe Jason Statham, but like you know, Roman's just being you know. I, I this is another one of my hot takes. I think that Tej and Ramsey kind of need to hook up because the group lacks a sort of like side couple in the way that I think Han and Giselle yeah, provided, yeah, yeah, which sense. I liked about Fast Five and Fast Six, right? Um, and uh, and I just wish that they were like, uh, you know, they were paired off in this one. There was plenty of setup in the last one, right? You don't need to, you don't even need to explain it, right? You just there together. Roman is pissy about it. Write a couple of lines like that and let it and let it go. I will say that there are some aspects of the dyna- dynamics to the team um, that are widely criticized. Have you ever? So have you ever heard of the Justice for Han movement? I think I like previewed this a little. Uh, no, I have not heard of the Justice for Han. Oh, okay. well, is it because Jason Statham kills him and they decide he's a friend now? Yeah, yes, actually, yeah. In uh, the, the, the Fast and Furious fandom, there was this thing that happened after Fate of the Furious called Justice, hashtag Justice for Han, which was, through most of the movie, it's actually not a big deal. <coughs> because... Dom, who is sort of the, you know, the archetypal dad of of the family and the person who is most protective of it, right, um, is sort of missing. And so Mr. Nobody sort of steps into that road and he kind of forces Shaw in to the crew and they're all working together, right? But like, it's not, it doesn't feel like the family, right? I mean, um, he gets rehabilitated pretty quickly though, right? Like, Oh, absolutely. Oh no, he absolutely does. I agree with that. Um, but just like the setup is not, is not that big of a deal. The problem is the thing where Vin Diesel's whole plan is about appealing to Shaw's mom, uh, Helen Mirren in that bar, who, by the way, I do love her and I love that whole interaction. And I like, I, I would cherish those scenes, even though I remember at the time thinking, where the fuck is this going? I don't get it. Right. Um, the, the fact that he would be so willing, right, to essentially ally himself, not just with, you know, the guy who killed Han, right? Not just with the guy who, 
like brainwashed Letty, right? Um, but that they are instrumental to his plan, and then crucially, uh, that Deckard Shaw is invited to the family barbecue, which is also not in Los Angeles. It's in Brooklyn this time on a rooftop in Brooklyn. Everybody was so mad about all of this. <laughs> um, is like all of that is really problematic. Um, and that's where the justice for Han movement came from. And then when Justin Lin was brought back, so Justin Lin was the director on, uh, three, four, five, six, um, when he was brought back for nine, he showed up to his first day on set with a with a hashtag justice shirt and everybody flipped the fuck out because it was kind of like an in like everybody knew that he knew that justice for Han was like legit and they had to like deal with this. Right. Um, <coughs> so, yeah, this is also a piece of what is like weird about this movie and kind of frustrating. <laughs> Um, if you are someone who is invested in the lore and the mythos. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking that, but, you know, kind of like, like I said, this, these movies don't, like, you know, draw anything out, right? You know, Rock is, like, like breaks his windshield and is like, I'm going to punch your teeth in. And then, like, the, like, you know, the next scene you see him, he's, like, reading through his file and he's like... You're actually a good guy. He's like, yeah, I am, but my brother's a fuck up, and like everything's good, right? <laughs> like, um, <laughs> um, <coughs> uh, honestly, that part is really weird to watch because um, I guess I had forgotten about it. Um, just because, like, nothing else well, no. makes sense, right? Because, like, presumably Helen Mirren's some sort of like criminal, criminal like overlord or whatever. That's why, like, mm. she's got the connections to like make any of this work, right? Like, um, sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, because, like, it really feels like, I don't know. I it, it, This the, the this is part of my problem with Hobbes in the movie, which is, like, the, the amount that he is not taking things seriously correlates to the amount that I'm not taking him seriously. And so it just, like, it really feels like they're just, oh, well, we're set, we're, you know, setting up our, our spinoff. That's it. That's what's happening here. And that's fine, I guess. I don't I don't super mind it. Um I am not a Hobbs and Shaw hater. Uh though there are those there there are those in the in like the the universe, right? Um who do think of themselves as Hobbs and Shaw and, and Shaw kind of like haters and like the Hobbs and Shaw did the right thing by kind of like quietly ushering these pieces that nobody likes out of the you know, out of the franchise. Um but yeah, I don't know. I, 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 the thing that bothers me about Jason Statham and The Rock themselves is that they don't make up a very good, um, like, buddy cop duo. Do you know what I mean? You know how, like, Danny Glover and, like, Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon right. are, like, a buddy cop duo? All right, please stop this. Um, and, like, and part of what makes that work is that, God, is his fucking name Murtaugh? Yeah, one of R them. Riggs and Murtaugh. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Riggs the black guy? I don't remember which one's which. I don't remember which is which. But Riggs and Murtaugh have very different sort of, like, vibes. One of them is, um, you know, kind of like an old, tired family Too man. The and the shit. other one. Yeah, exactly. Is and the, the other gun. one yeah, is, is like, the young gun, you know, loose cannon, cop on the edge, right? Like, kind of thing. Um, but... 
Hobbs and Shaw don't really have different energies. They're just kind of, I'm like really macho and aggressive with an American accent, and I'm really macho and aggressive with a Cockney accent. Yeah. Like, that's the main thing that differentiates them. I'm I honestly sort of wish Luke Evans was the Shaw in Hobbs and Shaw, because I think he would have a better back and forth with The Rock, just because The Rock is kind of a... Um, uh, what do, how do I want to put this? Like almost sort of like an everyman, you know. Even if he is like fucking Hercules or whatever. Um, whereas Luke Evans has this kind of like James Bond thing, and you can get and you can sort of see the appeal of oh, this is like if Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando teamed up with, you know, James Bond. Yeah, that yeah. would yeah, that would make sense to me. But like. Jason Statham and The Rock both have this frayed around the edges sort of appeal, so they're just giving the same sort of energy the whole time. Yeah, no, I I, I totally <laughs> agree with that, right? Like you need like you you, you need like a, a slightly better kind of like separation of, of the two concerns, right? Like, um, yeah, because Luke Evans, like like the whatever whichever Shaw that is. That Shaw is more posh, whereas Deckard Shaw is very, um, very Cockney, which is like not the right, the right pairing for, uh, for Mister the Rock. Like you could also do it with like the big guy being the the proper guy. Like you could do like the, you know, quiet giant character, and that would work with like a Shaw type character, right? Like, um, yeah. Or if Shaw leaned into being a criminal and. Uh, Hobbs was like the law enforcement. Like I feel like you could do a thing of like lawful good, chaotic good. Maybe yeah, yeah. that that would kind of like work out. One of them is kind of like bending the rules all the time, <coughs> and the other is trying to play by the book. Like yeah, I can understand how a paladin and a rogue, archetypally right, um, could sort of be you know um, opposed in that buddy cop way. But they're just sort of not. It, yeah. it, and um, I don't know. I feel like there's something a little lost in translation when it comes to when it comes to the two of them, especially because of some stuff that I'm not going to spoil because it's in the Hobson Shaw movie and we're going to watch it. Okay, uh, just just to put my stuff out there, I think I think Jason Statham is actually right for this movie, right? Like like you know you were talking about oh, like you know The Rock wants to be too too goofy, like too much of a pro wrestler is the way I want to put it, right? I think Jason Statham is I think he's actually would be a much better kind of, like, foil for Dom, right? Because, like, like, you know, Dom's kind of, like, the upstanding one, and Shaw's kind of, like, the, you know, the the kind of underhanded one. And I think that would, like, you know, I think Shaw would be a great lancer for for Dom. Um, whereas I think... Oh, Hob my God. I think Hobbs That's wants to be That's actually really interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think Hobbs wants to be that and, and isn't, right? Like, he's too... He wants to be the main character too much, right? Like... Yeah, I think, and and, and uh, the other thing that is like the elephant in the room is that there's no Brian in this right. movie, um, and I definitely feel like really feel the lack of Brian here. Um, they, in a weird way, try and replace it with Scott Eastwood as little nobody, who I hated. I I don't know if other people hated him. I just like found him so fucking annoying, and I was just like, who is this fucking goober? that you are putting into the into the movies with the Mitsubishi exports, which is Brian's thing, right? Like, those are the cars that Brian drives, right? And I can understand if 
you wanted to represent that archetype of driving, which is like handling, it's drifting, right? Being able to do like tight corners and all this other sort of stuff. Um, but like the movies have never really been about that anyway. It's mostly just an aesthetic sort of thing. Um, and little nobody is just so fucking annoying. He's like scrappy do. He's like the scrappy do of this. Yeah, of this no, film, I, I guess I buy that. You know what? You know, I, my hot take is is they should have brought in um. Is it Luke? You should have brought in the Drift King to replace Brian. Oh! Sean from... Yeah, from 3. From Tokyo Drift. From 3. Yeah. You know, you could have you could have convinced me that would have been cool. Yeah. yeah. Especially because he has that accent. I like that he has the super uh, West Texas accent. I bet that would play great. And you, in, could, have, in the... you could have Dom and, uh, and you, Sean, you said his name was, like Bond. You know, Sean lost his Dom. Who was Han and yeah. Dom lost Brian, right? Like, <coughs> would have been perfect, buddy. Yep. It would have been perfect. <laughs> You're so right, honestly, and I'm I'm honestly like a little mad about it. But yeah, so I think that there's some there's some sort of cracks in the foundation to the family as it as it is sort of uh, portrayed. Um, there's definitely some flanderization, right? Um, like I said, I, I you know, Roma doesn't bother me as much in this one as he did in the last one, but it really just comes down to the the cowardice thing, right? Like Roman being afraid, and like I don't know. There's this thing. There's this dual characterization with Roman where he's simultaneously a show off, right? Um, which I like that part of Roman, um, and th he's a scaredy cat, right? And I understand that those two things play off of one another because it, that's part of what makes it funny, right? Is that he talks a big game, but he's actually kind of a wuss, right? Um, but it just really bothers me that he doesn't jump out of the plane. And then they reference it in this movie, and I'm just like, ah, oh, God, come See, on, don't do this, you guys. I, I like it less in this movie because it's grating, but, like, the thing that I liked about it in Seven is that, like, there's a reason they keep him around, Right, like his ostentatiousness is useful, right? Like, yes, and, like that's fit, true at the serve, party, right? Yeah, yeah, and serves a role in the team, right? Here it's just kind of like I guess he can shoot good, which but never was referenced before, and will never be referenced. Uh, I mean, I won't put my heart on; will never be referenced <laughs> again. But like you know, that, that kind of thing, right? Like you know, he has to have a badass moment, and it's not in character, right? Like his badass moment in Seven, I think, was good for his, like you know, like fit with who he was, right? Like you yeah, know, he's. He's a coward, but he's shameless. And, like, in a situation where, like, he can just kind of, like, be a dickhead, it works. And I think that that's, like, good characterization. Like, that, that's like kind of, like, a, a good way to, like, show why they keep him around, right? Like, Yeah, you know what? You've convinced me. Uh, I think I agree with you because that's so, so super true. Um, it's also what I like about him in 5, right? Because um, in 5, he does that, like, fast-talking thing at the evidence locker when they're trying to get in. And it's a, yeah. it's a small bit. Right. Um, but it's just it's really full of character. And that's the thing that like is great about any of these ensemble movies. Right. He's giving everybody sort of their like their moment to, yeah, he's, he's the know, face. to like shine. He's yeah. the face of the D&D &D party, essentially. Of, of the D &D. Oh, my God. Yeah. Buddy, how much would you play? A, a TTRPG. <laughs> it's like a fast in the first. I was just thinking about that. I was just thinking about that. What would I what would I like roll? You know, what's funny. Oh man, I can't super talk about this. Okay, I I was having a conversation with a friend. Um, we were talking about uh, 
like racing games, right? Um, we were talking about who we play in racing games, and I was talking about playing Bowser. I I like to play Bowser because to me, because Bowser's thing is he has a super high top speed, but a pretty low acceleration and pretty bad handling, right? Um, and typically, the two things I like in racing games is one, really good handling, and two, weight like power right and so playing mario kart where you're bowser and you can just like bop into guys and you you're super heavy um is a is like a lot of fun or whatever um and i'm just sitting here thinking about like the character classes you could roll right what, what your stats would be right like oh man I'm you would have cars with different sets it would be i would have like torque and like horsepower and you would have like feats and stuff that are like oh when you're driving, you know, a car with this much horsepower, you can pop a wheelie, right? Or, you know, you can do a burnout, right? Uh, like, st stuff like that. Yeah. That'd be fun. It would That'd be. That'd be fun. It, you, you need a good way to kind of, like, make it work in kind of, like, you know, like, you can probably do a burnout, but, like, to what end, right? Like, that's the kind of thing you need to, like, figure out. But I think it'd be fun. I'm sure somebody's done something like this. Um, that's, that's the name of the TTRPG, buddy. We'll... We'll have it ready by next year. It's going to be called Race Wars. And we're <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's actually really funny. That's a really good one. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the jump the shark thing is he what, he wins the street race in Cuba with the flaming car. Is, is Okay, so first of all, I do think that's dumb, especially because, and I just have to, I have to mention this. Have you ever drove, driven a manual transmission? I have not. Okay. For those of you at home, and also I guess maybe for Mango, who might not understand, the thing about a transmission is that you have to you have to shift up and down into different gears in order to access different levels of speed from your engine without blowing your RPM, essentially, right? And so the thing about the thing about first gear is first gear is uh, I think big technically, or maybe it's small. Um, First gear allows you to put a lot of RPM into not a lot of movement, right? Because what you need is you need to get a car up to speed, right? right? Um, so you need to pop it. You need to pop it into first. And you're only in first for really like the first five miles an hour. Almost immediately you go into second gear. And then second gear you're kind of clear from like, let's say, 10 miles an hour to like 30, right? Most of the time when I'm driving to surface streets, right, in a manual transmission, I'm doing I'm doing that in second gear. And I'm also doing stuff in second gear that like, you know, um, it, it's, just, it, it's, like the, it's like the workhorse gear, right? And one of the things about gears that people don't get is that reverse is also a gear. And reverse has to be a gear that kind of does everything. Right. First of all, it's really hard to drive in reverse. Most people can't drive very fast in reverse, which is why the thing of popping the e-brake and then slamming it into reverse and then going, you know, going backwards in order to do the thing is so like cool and impressive. But the thing is, is that you can't actually put the car into gear because it would be like driving on the highway in first gear. Right. You'd be doing insane amounts of RPM. You'd blow your engine in a heartbeat, basically. Right. And I know that most people don't drive manual transmissions, right? And that I just happen to have to learn on one because my dad's car was a manual, right? Um, and so I'm intimately aware of what the actual like process of engaging the clutch and popping into any of these individual gears feels like viscerally. And most people watching these movies just have no conception for that whatsoever. 
<coughs> but anytime they do that thing where they pop the e-brake and they turn and they whip the car around and then put it into reverse and are driving the car backwards, it destroys me because it is so incredibly unrealistic, right? Um, it's, it is like the, the perfect sort of thing. It's the perfect sort of like Call of Duty thing where you, the, the way a gun behaves because of how we understand video games is so different in from the way a gun behaves because of how we understand reality. Um, and so I agree that, that that moment is dumb and kind of jump the sharky. And it is because the way in which Dom wins in the end is by doing this reverse, you know, switch thing. So I, I could not find an answer, but I went and looked because I know that like Cuba is the famously communist country. Like, I know that the communist cars are all, like, wacky, right? Like, the, I think it was, like, the East German car, is the East German or the Russian car didn't have a fuel gauge on it. Um, and, like, they're all, like, made from cardboard because it's, like, it's, like, you know, you're working with whatever, right? Like, yeah. Cuba, I know, is a little bit special because it also ha tends to have a fair amount of, like, antique American cars. Um, uh, yeah, because they, they imported a bunch of cars before yeah. the embargo, but then weren't able to get... Which is why, in that scene, most of those cars are very classic old right. cars from the 50s and, um, and 60s before the embargo went into place. Right, right. But, you know, I, I was just checking because I thought, I thought there's a chance that, like, some weird communist put, like, multiple reverse gears on a car, right? Like, I could see that. Like, th there are things that are just, like, <laughs> you know, ridiculous in, in you know, in, in this kind of, like, designed by committee type way, right? Like... Um, it's a whole thing. Um, but, uh, but yes, no, I, I, I definitely get why you feel that way. That, that to me folds into kind of like, whatever, I don't care. Right. Like, um, uh, excuse me. Well, I ban this, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, spammer in our chat. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. I think it's, um, it's not great. I, I really do like the moment where Dom... There's two things that he does in that race that I think are sweet. The one where he just starts ripping the panels off of the car. That's just, like, iconic and cool. Um, and the other one is the thing that he does with the soda can tab. Um, oh, you mean is, the Coke ad? The ad for Coca-Cola? Yeah. Oh, yes. The, yes, the ad for Coca-Cola. Uh, the thing he, he does with the little, the little tab from the can of Coke, which is to put... I think it's the vacuum line. Right. Um, to put the, the tab around the vacuum line. So you, you, you pull the thing out of the vacuum line, um, uh, which I don't think is real. I bet if I were to talk to a real mechanic, they would say this fucking ridiculous. This doesn't make any sort of sense. But like in the way that he does it is like appropriately cool. Do you know what I mean? Like, I immediately understood what he was doing. Oh, hey, there's this rubber nozzle that that taps that taps into something. I'm going to attach that to a thing so that I can rip that nozzle off when I need to. And that's the way that I'm going to win this street race on this busted-ass car or whatever. It's like, this is the kind of shit that I'm super here for when it comes to, you know, like, Fast and Furious stuff. Um, hitting, hitting NOS or whatever is, like, way less interesting to me than little shit like that that I think is, like, cool and interesting. And it's, or, like, the thing that he mentions in seven, six, um, where he's talking about how the way Letty shifts into third or shifts from third to fourth or whatever, it's, like, that kind of stuff, right? It's functionally jargon, right? But it's the right kind of jargon that I like a lot. Um, so, yeah. It, yeah. It, it's, like, 
Fawn's kicking the, the soda machine and two bottles popping out, right? Like, you know, it doesn't really work that way, but it's cool. And, like, it gives, it, it, you know... Um, it's probably actually more effective on people who don't know what it is, right? Because, like, you don't get it. Like, this is because this, this is also every hacker movie, right? Like, it's like you say a thing. Oh, sure, yeah. And, like, you know, your general audience gets kind of, like, the the atmospherics and it works. But, like, anybody who knows what you're talking about is like, a, fuck you, right? Like, you know, like. A, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that happens in this movie with the zombie cards, right? right. Like, one of the things that bothered me even in 2018, <laughs> I want to say when this movie came out. <coughs> excuse me. Was, um. The way the zombie cars just, like, they are, like, they are acting as if there's an individual person driving each of them, but that can't possibly be real. But it's like, there's just, there's there's nothing to bridge that gap in my mind in a way that I know it just wouldn't work. Like, you'd have to write some kind of script or algorithm, I guess, to, like, define the way that they start acting and behaving right and like there's parts of it that i would understand maybe you okay i'm activating cars in this parking lot and just saying reverse at full speed sure i get that you're making it rain whatever um but some of the zombie cars are doing really complex maneuvers and that's the thing that makes me go that's not real yeah i wonder how much of that is like you know um is like driverless cars being like a more real thing now than they were when this movie came out or when it was filmed right like you know um, like, I feel like, you know, the general public is a little bit more in tune with, like, what that looks like and how not far along we are for that, right? Like, um, yeah. uh, and so, like, in a, le- like, in when this is, like, less that, it feels less inauthentic, if that makes sense. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that. Um, <coughs> um, but, you know, at some point, it's a fucking Fast and Furious movie, right? I like, I like Mr. Nobody, right? Like, he's been, he steals the movie for me, like, both times he's been there. Um, uh, you know, I like, I like his little kind of, like, you know, it's like, you know, he's kind of like, I told you he'd get it by the third time, right? Like, the kind of, like, you know, uh, you know, the kind of, like, oh, let's, let's break the rookie in, um, yeah. type of deal, which I, I thought was, uh. Uh, super fun. I don't actually remember if Scott Eastwood is in the next one or not. Uh, F nine. Uh, I mean, this movie. These movies have like astounding callbacks, right? Like the um, like Brian's partner showing up in like yeah, bro, his partner from four shows up in six in order to get him access to Braga to get the backstory for Shaw or whatever. Yeah, completely unreal yeah. stuff. Yeah. So I, you know, I. I, you know this this movie these movies are great at like keeping it in you know in the family as it were even even this one when Luke I'm sorry Ian Shaw I think is his name um the brother shows up I was like Luke Evans is who I was thinking is the actor yeah. um I remember being like oh my god because in the in seven you see that he's really like fucked up um and I remember thinking at the time oh he's gonna come back Right. Like, that's what that means. Right. You are. We are showing him alive uh, so that we can kind of see him come back. And it's really just a cameo. He doesn't really do much. Obviously, most of the most of this whole bit is kind of owned by Jason Statham. Um, But uh, yeah, I also like the callback to their confrontation in seven when he does like the fake out with the with shooting, you know, shooting him by saying you thought this was a street fight. (laughs) Just bam, bam. Right. Satisfying. Even if it is, like, all part of a, you know, uh, a thing. Uh, and then, like, Santos and the other guy show up, which is also cute. Yeah. No, I I kind of wish that, like, like that moment, like, lost all kind of, like, 
impact for me because like oh he's not dead he's got a whole spinoff right like um so those those things kind of like it's it's a shame that i'm not uh you know that that i'm not kind of watching these as they come out but i am excited to to watch the rest of them like you know like you know like we said serviceable movie Okay, yeah. so F9. Have you seen the F9 trailer? I feel like F9 is close enough that you probably have seen and maybe remembered some stuff. I mean, it. if I remember the F8 one, right? Like, uh, is this the one with John Cena? This is the one with John Cena. Do you know who John Cena is playing? It's in the trailer, but... Um, is it... I Initially, I thought it was... He's somebody's brother. Is he Dom's brother? He's Dom's brother. He's Dom's evil brother. This is the, this is the thing that actually is... I think my underlying thesis about the entire Fast and Furious film franchise, right, is that each of the movies are fundamentally about, like, action movie cliches. And, like, not cliches, the wrong word, like stereotypes, right? You know, so, for instance, five is the ensemble. It's putting the group together, right? It's, It's the Samurai 7 thing right six is yeah yeah six is the evil doppelgangers right which is like a thing that will be in you know like old whatever of these movies right where everyone has their like kind of evil opposite that they need to they need to like square off against um uh seven is the villain the villain has a brother who's out for revenge, right? Eight is one of the team goes evil, right? Like, and then nine is one of the team has an evil relative who's working for the bad guy, right? Like, it, it, all of the all of these modern era, to be fair, all of the or actually four also has this, which is, um, uh, the you know like the member of the team drops dead mysteriously, right? All all of all of these movies kind of have this like core core pitch that feels like at the heart of movie storytelling to me in a way um and uh and so f9 having having that that pitch of john cena is dom's evil brother (laughs) is just so good and i love oh i I love every second i feel like that's also like throwing like directly throwing shade at the rock right it's like well we'll take the new WWE movie star because you're a dickhead, Dwayne. Because um, like I, I feel like they're like you know John Cena is the second kind of big. Him and <coughs> I guess Batista, right? Like are like the the, the new WWE crossover people. Um, but yeah. Dwayne was the first. Uh, Mister Mister The Rock was the first. Um, uh, is Cipher? I remember is Cipher the villain in this one or in Hobbs and Shaw? Not. Uh, Cypher comes back. Uh, you I feel know, like she like was the in the trailer. Movies, I feel like she was in the trailer for one of these two movies. I was like, I don't recognize her. But like in my mind, it's like it's got to be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, okay. She is in this movie. Though, well, I won't spoil anything. Okay. Uh, she's in this movie uh, and is funny and interesting. Um, uh, what was I going to say, though? Hobbs and Shaw, the villain Hobbs and Shaw is completely like unrelated okay. to any of this stuff. Is that the um, one where like they go to like Hawaii, like uh, Hawaii, I guess it is, or like some other nation? American Samoa, no, and they hang out with sense. the Rocks. Yeah, the Rocks, the Rocks yeah. family. Yeah, okay. I can see that they, which includes the- another wrestler, Roman Reigns, I guess. Oh. who uh, I don't know if he's 
related to The Rock. I, th- I think he's also American Spoon, but he shows up in uh, in 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 that movie. Uh, are we gonna do Hobbs and Shaw before we do F nine? I guess chronologically, it's yeah. Kind of how I, came I think out, we should, right? I think we're supposed to, right? Like you know, famously, um, Tyrese Gibbons or whatever his name is got like mad at The Rock for like pushing the release of F nine, so Hobbs and Shaw could come out. Like I don't know. Oh yeah. You know how much of this was anybody's fault, but like you know, uh, I know. I when I was reading up on the beef between uh, between uh, Vin Diesel and The Rock, one of the things that came up was like Therese Gibbons, like on Instagram, was like, "You're taking food out of my children's mouth," um, to to The Rock, um, because you know Fast Nine got bumped for Shaw. <coughs> um, yeah. But yeah. Um, I'm still rooting for Giselle to come back at some point because we didn't see her die. Um, True. Uh, so that's uh, – I don't know if I have any strong predictions other than that. Um, other than if it's Justin Lin, I expect it to be better. Justin Lin isn't directing the X, right? He was set to direct the uh, to direct X, and after 10 days of filming, uh, he left the project Ooh. and was replaced by uh, Luis uh, – Letterer, who is the triple X guy. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. He is the transporter guy. Okay. Um, the transporter the, the, Jason Statham? Yeah. And okay. then also, wow, he also made Now You See Me. Do you know that movie? The movie is wild. I don't think so. No. Now You See Me is a movie uh, about um, magicians, like doing a heist. Oh, oh is this... Is this the one where they like might be wizards? Is this the one? Yeah, where, yeah. The, so yeah. There's a, there is a YouTube video. Or Leo, I, Leo like Vader a, has a YouTube video about like are they actually wizards? Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I actually, to be fair, I've seen both. Now you see me movies. Um, I think they're dumb as fuck, but I actually think they're very watchable and fun because they kind of have this premise of what if different kinds of magicians were superheroes like one of them is an escape artist one of them is sleight of hand he's like a pickpocket who does like close-up magic sleight of hand tricks um one of them is like a psychic guy who will who will like guess the thing in your in your mind or whatever um and i just think that like making like a a heist team out of that is like just such a good pitch that even though the movie is sort of dumb as hell i love every second of it uh, it is not a movie that I like have returned to maybe ever honestly, but maybe I've returned to it like L- more than Lou once. Is, but is yeah. gonna issue a correction? It's a mental, <laughs> not a psychic. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but you know, uh, like sounds like the perfect guy to direct a fast and fe- like. It, this feels like you know, like what if cars but superheroes? What if magicians but superheroes? <laughs> feels like it's got like a lot of uh, crossover. You know, like it, it's uh, yeah, especially now that you know we're adding Jason Satham and um, Brie Larson to the cast uh, are like the two big additions in Fast Ten. Fast X, Wait, but Jason God, Satham's so been in the movies. Oh, I'm sorry, Jason Momoa. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Is, uh, who who joins on this one? Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, and it's supposedly the last one. Like the 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 Wikipedia page scrubbed all references to the to Hobbs and Shaw two and to uh, the female led film, um, female led spinoff, yep. which was the only thing it was known by. Uh, so, I guess we won't. I guess this is it. We'll see. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. But with that, I'm gonna say besides uh, 
surviving besides COVID impacts Lovett, how was your week? <laughs> Uh, well, we haven't done a cast in a while, so we yep, did PAX, I guess, yeah, is the big, big one. Yeah. Um, obviously, PAX is less big for me because I barely saw anything. I was just basically working my booth the whole time. Um, I spent a little time at the Brace Yourself booth uh, because we had some friends uh, who developed a game, and I played their game there. Um, but the... Super Raft Boat Together. Check it out. Yeah. Super, super Raft Boat Together, uh, you know, which is... Oh, have you played it? I haven't. I haven't had the opportunity because there's a lot of to brace yourself. Honestly, actually, kind of nuts to be honest with you. And I am sort of super interested in it, um, just because uh, it's a twin stick shooter. So like Relic Hunter Zero is the, is this, um, but it is roguelike. And so what essentially happens is you um, you building you build a you you're building your raft um, and stuff is coming and it's destroying your raft right so you're trying to make your raft bigger it's it's like crushing your raft um, so you have to like shoot that stuff whether it's like sharks or like rocks or kind of like whatever else uh, but there's a bunch of characters and, and a bunch of like roguelike things that'll give you power ups and accessories and guns and all this other sort of stuff um, which is actually like pretty cool and pretty fun uh, and I had a pretty pretty good time with it so that was that was like the game that I checked out uh, and actually like played sort of the demo for there's a bunch of other games that were there that are like by people I know um, and and other sorts of things but um, I don't know that was the that was the one that I wanted to I guess shout out and talk about so I got a game uh, that I want to shout out that I had a great time with at, uh, at oh, yeah. so this is uh, this is Estrella. Um, but he has been selling this game on this show for a while, and uh, you know, I think you undersold it. <laughs> no, I I'm glad I'm glad that you get it. When I yeah. said I wanted to have a cast on this on this game in particular, I was like, man, I don't even I don't know, like even know if Mango is going to connect on the level that I connected with Estrella on, right? Um, but God, it's yeah. good. Yep. it's 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 great. Um, I like so uh, I played all of your the games at your booth. I played uh, uh, I did a demo of Rain World. I did the VR behind the painting <coughs> VR. Um, Excuse me. Uh, you know, buddy, I will I will make the same complaint to you that I make about every game that lacks these options. Uh, not being able to hold the paintbrush in my left hand in behind the frame VR bothered me. Um, but you know, that's that's you know I've already beaten behind the frame, so I will not complain too hard about it well um, you know you're you're inhabiting a character mango and that character is right-handed so i'm sorry you know uh you know what <laughs> they didn't they switched the fucking sword hand for link in the uh wii u uh Twilight really Princess. yeah so link is canonically left-handed but they actually so twilight i think it was twilight princess came out on both what's it gamecube and wii um and on the gamecube version he's left-handed because you're controlling with the normal controller um but for they they literally mirrored the entire game. They just like one eight like they, ah. uh you okay? Did Orion get yeah, you? I'm sorry. Orion Orion just reached up and scratched me a little. Uh, okay. But they, they like literally mirrored the entire game of Twilight Princess for the Wii. Um because that was easier than, you know, switching the hands on it or whatever. Um Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Uh but uh you know. Um and then I played what was what was the skeleton one that you guys now it's not a skeleton but like it's like the cult leader with the step oh universe for sale universe for sale which I am intrigued by um, uh, the the moment you said that the the skeleton cultist protagonist or whatever like connected with you I was like oh yeah that makes so much sense like I get it I mean it's super interesting right like I you know it's there is a lot of implied world building that like it's just like you know like 
like candy. It's like bait for me. It's like, oh, oh, yeah. I, I, I oh, that. yeah. Like, because, you know, you're on a space station in, I think, Jupiter. Yeah. Right. And there's like, uh, there's like acid rain and all this other sort of stuff. And Wild. And everything's implied. Nothing's like, you know, very little is like told to you directly, which is like, oh, yeah, that's 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 the stuff right into my veins. Right. Um, uh, and then I play Zoetti <laughs> in Australia. Zoetti is Zoetti is neat. I'll put some time into Zoetti. I do not like it as much as Australia. Um, which uh, I told you at the show, good for good that Zoetti's coming out in a month because uh, I would have skipped it for Australia if uh, if it wasn't. Uh, but you know, it's uh, it's uh, that I am so pumped for Australia. Um, you know, it's it's on, <laughs> it's, it's on my okay. Heart. Can we talk about can we can we talk about what what is it specifically about Australia that you found to be so like addictive, right? Like, what is the what is the secret sauce here? Okay, so just trying to get it right is like there's this like there's this level of of chance with each hand right like that's the kind of like the the kind of draw of like trading card games which is like these these yep. this, this particular genre oh hello Orion. i'm so sorry oh my oh, it's god so, it's okay he is, he is going real hard on my microphone stand right now <laughs> <laughs> um but uh he's uh, sorry um uh but like there's like all of these kind of like trading card game based roguelites right are like um, the kind of, like, draw there is kind of, is the randomness and, like, you know, kind of, like, same thing as, like, any normal trading card game. It's like, you're, you're looking for the pieces for the thing that you want to do, and you kind of do it. And this has that, but, like, doubled, right? Like, because the other aspect of this is you have to roll these dice. Um, and when you roll the dice... Um, <laughs> did, you get, did you get a big, a big purr right there? I did right get a big purr right there. <laughs> um, uh, when you roll the dice, there's this other chance element, and this is to your, you know, what you talk about is, like, oh, there's... Um, you know, you roll the dice, and, like, if you take the risky dice, only two of those, like, uh, six faces are good, but there's also re-roll mechanics. And also, like, you know, the, um, it's not quite exactly damage and healing, it's uh, purification and corruption, which are kind of, like, the same resource, but, like, <coughs> at odds with you, right? Like, the, the, the enemies are trying to corrupt you, and you're trying to purify the enemies, but you can apply the other resources in other ways, right? Like, if you don't want to take the yeah. corruption, you can corrupt the enemies, which has negative consequences. And if you don't want to... Um, and if you want to heal yourself, you can just purify on yourself. And I think that's all, like... Like, I think the systems all interweave, like, super well together, right? Yeah. Which No, the, the interaction between safe, balanced, and risky, I think, is maybe the, like... Maybe that's what I would say is the secret sauce. Because you have to take a certain amount of risk... You can't beat runs unless – I mean, Australia is really hard. I have actually technically only beaten the game once. And I have put – let's look. Um, not counting any hours that I put in, like, development builds that were not on Steam. I have 157 hours on Steam in Australia right now, right? Um, and part of that is that you need gas, right? You need power in order to actually – win the game, which is a really, like, this was the thing I didn't get for a long time about Estrella. I was like, if I'm picking safe dice, I feel like I should be okay, right? If I just pick all safe dice. But the answer is no, because you're just left with a bunch of purified ones, like, half the time, right? And it's like, you're not doing the thing to advance your game plan faster than the enemy is advancing his game plan of killing you right um <coughs> and so you end up in these situations where 
Um, you just don't have enough power. You don't have enough. Your engine is not strong enough, okay, um, to, to kind of, like, overcome enemies later in the game. And once I realized that, I was like, oh, this is incredible. This is fucking with me. Because you need to accept a certain amount of risk. You need to take a certain amount of balanced die, which are going to be more powerful. A certain amount of risky dice, which are going to be the most powerful, right? Um, but you can't do the thing where you take only risky dice because you will just end up with a fistful of corruption at some point and you just have to kill yourself, right? There's no other option but to fucking die. Um, and, uh, you know, that's... That's really interesting to me with the way that Astrea like kind of allows you to create these um, to create these builds. Um, and obviously Astrea has a bunch of characters. You would have only played Solarius and Mooney. And even then you would have only played a certain percentage of them because there's certain stuff that is disabled in the demo. Right. Like there are progression systems for um, <laughs> kind of more advanced mechanics building on one another. Um, Mooney has a build that I, I won a game on stream with, actually, which was, uh, it's called a, a hex build, where you're putting a bunch of hex dice into your um, dice, dice pool, and then you can do stuff by getting rid of your own hex dice, right? You can, you can just axe your own hex dice um, in order to, like, ha like, have powerful effects, right? Um, and that's a build you just wouldn't be able to get that in the demo because uh i just don't think that the star blessings the the dive faces like the types of dice are unlocked yet and all of that stuff i think is like really neat and interesting i i, I could imagine um i also never played mooney um the tide hammer solaris tide hammer is just like too like too much my aesthetic to like pass mm. up like if if you had gotten to me when i sat down at the table and it told me to play mooney to do the uh do the tutorial. tutorial. I would have done Mooney, but I was just like, it's a hammerhead shark, and he like, he like hits things with like hammery stuff, and he got waves, and I'm like, this is this is, <laughs> this is everything I want um, out of uh, out of this game. So you know, did you did you find Wave to be a very powerful build on on Solarius? I liked Wave a lot. Um, I feel like, what was it? I played I played enough games that it's like one of those things where like I could tell like oh I am like borderline on this run right like I managed to I think beat all of the runs I went on but like I could tell that like some of those like I have did not pull the right dice to like make this run last past this stage like I will fail in the next level because I just don't have the 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 stuff to like make it because um, like I did not like I didn't get enough wave dice like I I took um, the, the 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 blessings I took. Um, I go for the risky blessings because, like, they're the fun ones, right? Like, um, oh yeah, the black hole blessings. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did not do enough to kind of like uh, interact. In, like, I did not draw the dice that like interweave well with it. Like, I just didn't get enough good dice, and this would be a short run. But that's fine, right? Like, that's like the genre, right? Is like you know you you occasionally like miss miss the uh, the run, um, but uh, you know it's just really really well done. Um, uh, you saw me discover some mechanics, uh, you know, like wave keeps you from killing yourself. Uh, uh. Yeah, that was a really interesting interaction, to be honest with you, um, because I have been fucked by like one of the things is funny in Zoetti. You can do this in Zoetti. There are certain mechanics that will put like dots on you, but dots don't trigger on like battle end. So, for instance, there's um, 
the way bleeds work in Zoeti is they're called gash. Um, and every time you attack, when you have gash on you, you double your gash stacks, right? So if you start with three, you'll go to six, you'll go to 12, you'll go to 24, right? Um, and something that I'll do sometimes is I will... I will have gash on me, but I'll kill the opponent and win the battle, right? And those gash jacks never go off. So even if you have 250 gash, right, and it would just one shot you, even no matter no matter how much defense you would you could possibly stack, right? Um, that stuff won't trigger. But Estrella, it does not work that way. It, it, when a it, when a, uh, an enemy is defeated in Estrella, when a battle ends, all of those things are are processed procedurally, right? So for instance. Um, be a good example of this if i have one health left and i attack an enemy with a death bomb that bomb goes off right um you know i attack a guy he explodes for one damage and i take that one damage i'm losing that heart no matter what even though killing that guy sort of like ended the battle right um and uh, and some of that stuff i think is is kind of interesting and sort of like neat uh because that's exactly what wave wave is the opposite yeah, wave it's, is a sort of like, it's a purify bomb yeah, yeah. exactly um, wave used to be insanely good. I actually, if you see a lot of those wave dice have these conditionals on them that reduce the number of wave stacks, those are because of me, because I told Leo, I was like, wave is too good. If you get a good wave build going, you, it, this game is free basically. Um, because you just never like you, you stack, you stack wave so high, um, that it becomes sort of trivial to like yeah because yeah, you just have to kill one enemy and then it wipes the board <coughs> and if yeah. you get the and so you get the artifact that triggers it on like meat value then you, you don't even have to get that far with it right like yeah um and um and so and the thing i recommended to to leo i said um you should have because the, there are these there are these dice that trigger off of wave right like there's one there where oh do do a couple of purify but if the enemy has a certain threshold of wave you like if they have four wave or more or something like that you draw a die right um, I was like you should have this stuff cost you wave so it's sort of like a resource yeah. you are building wave on an enemy but you can also sort of spend the wave on your enemy to do neat stuff if you want um, and that's sort of what we have today in the game now right um, so you know very cool yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah I'm excited for that game to come out it's a, it's a very cool game um, otherwise at PAX didn't see a ton of stuff that like really drove me crazy um, I was mostly there for people rather than for uh, you know for uh, the, the show part um, it also felt like sure. there, was, there wasn't a ton of like I didn't feel like standing in line for hours. It also felt like there wasn't a lot to, like, stand in line for. Um, I got hands on the Street Fighter Six demo, but, like, that's not, like, a special thing for PAX. So um, that was fun. Um, I went to a couple of panels, and I didn't think they were particularly good. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to name them just because I don't want to throw shit on anything. I just, you know, didn't particularly enjoy them. Um, Commander was super fun. We played a bunch of Commander. We uh, did. I, I think I was... Almost undefeated, except for that one game that you uh, with the guy straight, you yeah. played. The guy yeah. Straight, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I I think even if I I got fucked in that game because I kept a ring with two lands and soul ring. Um, I was like, this is fine, right? Turn one soul ring, easy kind of thing. Uh, and then somebody fucking destroyed my soul ring. 
Uh, I think Josh counterspelled my soul ring, and I was like, oh, well, I guess I lose. Jo- it seems uh, like Josh's only thing that he does in these games is like just like <laughs> fuck someone for no reason, right? Like, <coughs> like he yep. fucked me in the fucking pre-con the game that we played, uh, the five-star game, yeah. Oh, I lo- that game was so fun. I loved that game. I love the star. The star format is one of the most elegant formats, I think, to making magic fun, in my opinion. The star format for, for, for folks at home is um, the rules are you have five people, right? Um, and if you think about five people, you have four relationships. You have the relationships with the two people adjacent to you and the relationship with the two people who are across from you, essentially, right? Um, and if you draw that out, that draws a star, right? And, um, the, uh, the, the, the rule is when the two people across from you lose the game, you win the game, right? So you are simultaneously sort of allied with the two people on either side of you, but also like your enemy is the person across the way from you. Your enemy is the person across from you. And that interaction is different for every seat at the table because every seat at the table is going to have a different configuration of who they're allied with and who they're kind of against. So Mango and I were enemies, right? Um, but we had different sort of allies. Um, and Because uh, we both so... shared Ray as an ally and then I had... No, no, no. We both shared Josh as an ally. Oh, wait. Were you yeah, we oh, both yeah, shared yeah, Josh right, as an right. ally. Yeah, Sarian and we was, and yeah. and Sarian was my ally. He was he was an enemy of yours, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, uh, it was a really interesting game. There was a lot of politics involved. Uh, I ended up having to destroy one of Sarian's creatures uh, because Sarian was about to win the game, and even though he was my ally, I had to sabotage him right in order to have him not kill Josh before I could kill Ray. Uh, and so, yeah, what what ended up happening was. I sabotaged Sarian a little bit. Josh ended up killing Sarian, and then it was me and Josh versus Ray. Um, and I got the killing blow with an exact lethal on just like a really interesting, like incredibly. This is one of the things that is like fun about Magic creating these like Rube Goldberg machines um, because I casted an X spell from my graveyard um, and then I copied it with my commander and it was like X X is equal to six um, and then I copied it with my commander and then I made another copy um, and then but the copy was targeting something else and then I swiped the copy so that or I changed the target of the copy so that all three were targeting Ray and it's just like it's just like that kind of complication um, to to like win a game with an exact lethal was was really was really neat. It sounds uh, like so it. yeah we did yeah very cool yeah yeah commanders commanders a good good, good format um, especially if you're playing with friends um, yeah yeah uh, what else happened this week um, played a lot of Marvel Snap managed to hit platinum this morning actually nice um, it kind of like. The set of things that, like, I like I had this set of revelations this morning in one of our group chats. Um, but, like, essentially, you know, the thing that I learned is that, like, when I learned a couple of like, specific common pieces, but it was like, oh, the meta kind of favors surprise builds. Because surprise builds means that on, like, the last turn, you can, like, win and also, like, bait your opponent into, like, snapping. Um, or, like, you know, like, you can, like, get, like, a big, big, big swing of ranks, right? Because if you're obviously winning and you snap, your opponent might just run away, right? Like, um, and that happens enough, like, because, like, that's the game, right? The game isn't, it is very like poker in that the game isn't winning any particular number of hands. It's knowing when to hold them and knowing when to fold them and knowing when to, like, push your bets, right? Like, um, and so, like, the, 
the way you evaluate a Marvel Snap deck is not necessarily its win rate, it's its expected value. And that's and like the expected value is based on how well you can pilot it and know when to bail out before you end up spending too many points before you get like a big win. So that's that's my uh that that's kind of been my my interesting set of thinking about about uh about Marvel Snap is it's fun, but it's like it, it just works differently than I initially thought it did. Like, you don't want to just, like, win every game. You want to, like, win in such a way that you can, like, trick people into, like, giving you more of their points. Um, yeah. Yeah, a, a friend of mine uh, described Marvel Snap that way to me, and I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, that the, the fundamentals of the game are about, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> these, betting, these betting mechanics, essentially. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, what else? Uh, I don't know. Oh, this is the thing I've been meaning to bring up for weeks now. Did you ever do the quest line for the Explorers League or the Dragon's No, uh, I said I was going to, but I didn't because, um, I've, you know, one of the weird things about COVID is that it has been hard for me to like play WoW. Um, I've just had a hard time getting, uh, kind of my like WoW brain to, to work right. I feel that. Um, so, yes, I did not actually uh, do that Explorers League quest, even um, though I had meant to. Dragon Scale Expedition is, is I believe, the property. Dragon Scale right? Expedition, yeah, is, is actually um, what I'm thinking. Sorry. Uh, well, I'll give you the opportunity to do it this week, but we're gonna. I, I want to pitch my prediction before we get out of. Uh, past okay. Points, sure. Have you done? Out. Have you done any of the other Forbidden Reach stuff? Yeah. So I've been I've been fooling around with it. I did a bunch <laughs> of keys and like like. <laughs> I was, like, having a neat time with it, but I have also, at this point, uh, I have gotten the three stones that I need for my ring. Um, like, the three specific ones that, like, you know, are the right ones to get. Um, and so, I mean, it's kind of quickly fallen back out again, right? It's like, there's not, like, you know, there's some stuff for me to get in there, and that's fun, but, like, it's not, like, I spent, on Saturday, I spent a couple hours, like, in a group hunting rares and getting some keys, but, like, I do not feel compelled to get enough keys to totally finish the particular vault which i think is probably good because i won't burn out on it um but on the other hand it means that like it's just like not that it's not so compelling that i feel like i need to like clear every room um i i get that absolutely especially because um for me it's that the new patch is coming so soon yeah like the new patch is like right around the corner basically um and it makes it hard for me to care about the Forbidden Reach, because I'm like, wait, hold on, we're gonna get a new zone like immediately, so I don't know. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've got uh, I've been just like doing several things, like I've been doing uh, some some of these like weekly reset quests that like aren't exactly visible, right? Like I did the one with uh, the guy who's like very like the orc who's like very ashamed of the fact that he like was like a dragon slaver in the old world, and he and he uh, I'm no spoilers here, but. Something happens. There's a storyline there. I've also been doing uh, Tarzan's Tales, um, where like it's like you find a blind uh, Dejardin who's like sitting on like on a volcano, being like, "You are not worthy. Go kill a bunch of dragons. And I'll tell you a story." Um, and that's been fun. But uh, weirdly, I'm kind of like getting to the end of my profession trees. Like, there's nothing big left that I want to get. Like, um, I'm filling out like the last tree of mining, and it'll take me a while, but I don't really care. Um, uh, I am filling out, like, I haven't even started the bomb tree of engineering, but I also don't really care that much. Um, so, you know, um, 
it feels like I'm kind of getting towards the end of that, which I guess makes sense, right? Like you, you don't want your whole expansion to be like locked behind, uh, you know, you don't want somebody who comes in like halfway through the expansion to not be able to catch up ever, but you know, it feels like, oh, well, um, I was also, it was also weird. Like I've been finished with all four factions for like weeks now. Um, and like people that I like perceive as like playing a lot more than me have not been. And it's just kind of like, I didn't think I was playing all that much. Right. Like, um, I am not done with all four factions. I am. Uh, I'm not done with the Tuscar, actually. Funnily enough. Okay. Uh, but I'm done with all of the. I'm done with all of the others. Um, and I've mostly just been. I don't know. I like doing the. You know, like I like doing world content, and so I'm always sort of drawn to some pieces of that. Um, but I don't know the. This is sort of why I feel like the Forbidden Reach will probably be for me if I do figure my shit out because I quite like running around and clearing rares, right? Like, that is world content that I'm here for. I want to get in a big group. I want to just fly from place to place, fight these guys, have them drop a thing that I think is, like, you know, useful, whatever the currency is kind of thing. This is, like, why I got really into Zareth Mortis, basically. Um, I'm less into the timed events that are in... Um, uh, sort of the base version of Dragonflight, right? So, like, the Siege and Dragonbane Keep, okay. um, or maybe, uh, the like, the, the, the Feast, yeah. Um, because one of the things is, like, when I, I, when I want to play an alt, I want to just be able to hop onto that alt and, like, do the thing, right? Um, but, like, with the Siege of Dragonbane Keep, you can do that once per character, per, you know, like, activation, then you have to wait two hours for the next one, and it's just like, ugh, I don't want to do that. Fair enough. Fair enough. <coughs> um, otherwise, I don't know if I've got a ton to talk about. I've been working, you know. It's always a thing. Uh, okay, so the other thing that I've been doing, but I also sort of want to do, I'm going to just put, like, pitch this a little bit, and we can, we can figure our shit out a little bit later. Um, I've been reading a lot of Order of the Stick. So I downloaded Order of the Stick for, specifically for reading on the plane. Coming back from, uh, yeah, come back, coming back from PAX. I was like, oh, this is like the perfect opportunity. And I've decided to do a very full read of the webcomic of Order of the Stick, right? For those of you who don't know, Order of the Stick is a comic of webcomic that started, I want to say in like 2003. I want to say it's been 20 years yeah. of the of this webcomic. Um, that is, you know, just kind of like a generic D&D party in a sort of like a relatively generic world. Um but um, it's a comedy comic where there's a certain level of fourth, you know, <laughs> wall breaks. <coughs> but there's also a lot of, like, real character drama and, like, development and, like, growth and stuff like that. Um, and I think Order of the Stick is phenomenal. My memories, and I don't remember the last time I caught up with the comic, um, definitely it's been years. It's probably been, like, four years at this point. Um, my memories of the comic are insanely positive. There are some moments in this comic that I like am, I wish I could tell stories, right. That executed on plot twists or reveals or, you know, character moments, right. Um, that I just think of as the most insane or like heinous. Like, so for instance, um, this is a, this is a, like a mild spoiler, but I just want to ask you, do you, you like, 
Do you know who Right Eye is? Have you read the prequel comics? I have not. Okay. Oh, tell me, I'm man. Okay, sure. I will. I will swear. In the prequel comics, you learn about Red Cloak and Zykon, right? The original. Uh, so Zykon is obviously the Lich. Red Cloak is his goblin cleric. Um, he Red Cloak is the bearer of the Crimson Mantle, which gives the, this connection. He's the high priest of the Dark One, this goblin god. Um, they're the villains trying to do the villain things, right? Um, the reason Red Cloak is named Red Cloak is when they first meet Zykon, um, Zykon, somebody introduces himself to Zykon and it's like funny, it's like a bit. And the, he has a really long, complicated name and Zykon just black, kills him because he's, you know, he's evil, yeah. right? This is before he's a lich, actually. He's still a sorcerer at the time. He blasts him with a lightning bolt or whatever. Um... And and then Zykon is like, okay, well, what are your names? And Red Cloak says, oh, my name is Red Cloak. And then his brother, um, who is a goblin with a uh, with an eye patch, his name is Right Eye. Right. Um, there is a moment about five hundred or maybe like six hundred strips in. There's a moment where Zykon is super pissed and he gouges. Actually, I think Red Cloak gets shot in in his eye by an arrow, right? And there's this moment where Zykon is so angry because he realizes that he has been duped and he has been kind of... um, And that Red Cloak has kind of been playing him because Red Cloak wants to create this sort of goblin city metropolis and all Zykon cares about is executing on their, like, evil plan. And, um, And there's just this moment where Zykon, like, holds Red Cloak to the ground, and he says, you know, you're not allowed to regenerate that eye. That's your personal idiot tax. And he calls him wrong eye, right? As opposed to right eye. And I remember my mind fucking blowing at that moment, because it's just like, it is such a pointed and mean. Okay, by the way, the story of, of right eye is... Right Eye is Red Cloak's brother, um, and he leaves. He says, Zykon is a piece of shit. Fuck, you like, fuck this. He goes off, and he starts, uh, like, a, like, a goblin family, and he's doing all this other sort of stuff, and then Zykon comes to their village, and he re- forcibly sort of, inst- like, recruits them. Um, and there's this part where Zykon is uh, dueling a super powerful archmage, um, Dorukon, actually, who, if you would, like... They're they're about to go into the dungeon from the very beginning of the strip. That's like Dorukon's dungeon or whatever. Um, and Right Eye is about to fly up uh, and sneak attack Zykon while he's not looking in order to kill him because he's so mad about the, his whole family being kind of like conscripted into this army or whatever. And Red Cloak is so committed to the plan right that they have going um and and his god and everything else that he disintegrates his own brother right he kills his own brother basically in order to save zykon so that zykon won't die and that the plan is not you know for nothing or whatever um and it's just like (coughs) stuff like that is the stuff that makes order of the stick so fucking insane right um and I don't know. I like. I love this webcomic so much. Is this is this like a like what what are, what are your thoughts? I guess. Yeah, so it's it's been a while since I've gone back and read through everything. Um, I probably should because um, I like have lost details along the way. But like um, the moment that stands out to me is Family Side, um, 
which is when mm. uh, uh, Versuvius gets like so mad that he like ends an entire line of dragons. Um, that has consequences later on, right? Like it's uh, it's pretty great. Um, but to your point, like it's 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 fun. Um, I think it's gotten less fourth wall breaky as it's gone on because it's like more concerned with the plot than it is with, like making D and D jokes, which is fine. Um, but like, no, that's just the way. Also, the D and D has sort of changed out from under it. This yeah. is the crazy thing: reading all of these jokes about like spot and listen checks, like grapple checks, and I'm sitting here like, <coughs> we're just in, like in a completely different era of D and D at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, although there is a great joke. My my other favorite, my maybe my maybe the most memorable, maybe not my favorite joke is uh, they go to fight a witch. And, like, there's, like, a joke about witches' hexes, and then the map turns into a hex map instead of being a square mix yeah, map. Yeah. <laughs> a hex grid, yeah. yeah. And um, then Varsuvius is mad when it when it switches back because he's like, this is clearly more efficient. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's a great comic, and I would recommend it to everybody who likes uh, that kind of stuff out here. Um, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I've been reading Order of the Stick for years. I also like Full Frontal <laughs> Nerdity, which is another. <coughs> I don't know that one. So it's not it's not as storyline heavy, although they have like storylines. Um, essentially, the pitch is is it's this gaming group that's been forget together forever. Um, it's like uh, the GM and two dudes, and then like the third dude is like a webcam because he moved to Alaska at like the start of the strip. Um, and uh, they, it's just stories about their games. The guys are all kind of like they're always like breaking the game and like being like obnoxious power gamers, and it's it's fun. Um, their current arc's pretty good. They're like it's like a long running arc about a particular game they're in and the story contained therein. So you know, have you ever read the one uh, that is the Star Wars prequels, but like the characters are as if that it was a role playing game? Uh, I feel like I read part of it, but I, I don't think I ever. I don't know if I ever finished it. My, okay, yeah. One of my all-time favorites was Order of the... Or not Order of the... Uh, Apeth Theater, which um, was, like, the story of Final Fantasy 1, but, like, told with, like, comic panels. Um, and they they did a Kickstarter for it, and he's like, look, it's just going to be the transcripts because I cannot print these characters and not be sued into hell by uh, by uh, by Square Enix. Um, uh, but, yeah, no, that, that was, like, a big part of my childhood was Apeth Theater. Yeah, I remember I read a lot of 8-Bit Theater, but I don't think I ever finished it. Because uh, 8-Bit Theater has, uh, like, Black Mage. Yes. Um, and, you know, he's he's just, like, a bunch of jokes. Uh, and then, like, Red Mage shows up, and he's really jealous. And he's got um, a healing shiv. Or something yeah, yeah. Maybe it's, like, one of the <laughs> And then there's the bad guy. Oh, I forget. I loved the bad guy in it. I, I never finished it, though, because it's over by now, yeah, right? It's been over for... It's been over for... Yeah, I think it ended when we were... In college, I think, or before yeah, so, that. Uh, th uh, this is what I think actually maybe is when I like first got serious about it because I remember reading in high school, but I really tried to read all of it and I just kind of couldn't get all the way through it um, in in college because I'm pretty sure it ended in in college somewhere. Yeah, no, it was. It's been gone for a long time, but uh, every once in a while I should go back and read that. Um, but yeah, um, I have a long list of. I have dropped a lot of like I used to read all of questionable content, but like that got dropped. 10 years ago <laughs> it is weird the number i remember i remember you had like 70 or something web comics every week that you kept up with yeah um it's less than that now just because i haven't added as many um but like saturday morning breakfast cereal still updates um sure yeah uh control out delete still updates um uh uh loss <laughs> yeah um we should get we should get two more people on the podcast one of them <laughs> lying down 
man. Do I have any other big ones? Um, yeah, nothing crazy. Perry, Be- Perry Bible Fellowship died and came back. Um, funnily enough, I started reading Awkward Zombie when I was in high school. And she's like, the, the, the artist and author is our age. One of my high school friends went to college with her at Stevens Institute of Technology in New Jersey um, and met her and, like, told me, he's like, you know, I met, I met the person and I've just been, like, following the comics still, right? Like, she's married now to a guy who, like, shows up occasionally in the comics. Um, you know, it's, uh, like, it's weird because, like, uh, Basic Instructions is a comic that is, like, a dude, it's like a dude in Portland, Oregon, who's like vaguely nerdy, and he did these co- these comic styles, like pictures, like that's drawn over. He did the comic for a number of years, right? Then he's like, I need a, br- I, I need to stop, and he just replayed the entire comic from start to finish. And when it ended, he started it up again and he started doing new comics. So, um, I've been following these for way too long. I have I have a folder that's like comics that are now dead because I've been like reading them for so long. Um, I had my own webcomic for a little while called Oswald the Volcano. It was terrible. Um, I, I had a comic. I had a strip in the uh, uh, – uh, what the fuck was it called? The newsletter uh, in the Hopkins newsletter. Before I had my column, I had a strip because they did uh, – I don't know. They were just like – they were looking for somebody to do a comic strip. And I was like, sure, yeah, I'll fucking do it. And I, I probably did like five or six. And then I eventually started writing a column because they asked me to write a column. And I was like, okay. Rachel in the chat says, I wish I had known you liked Oots before now, buddy. I spent years stopping myself from making I prepared explosive runes this morning jokes. How, can I just what under what circumstances could a real person make that joke? I think it's a poop joke. But like you can't prepare explosive runes. If you have a if you have a big morning shit, that's that's like I, I feel like that's like the, the basis of it, right? It's like okay. you have a big gnarly shit. Really? I mean, I, I don't know if this is what Arahe meant, but what immediately popped into my I, well, mind. So the thing, okay, so the I, I prepared explosive room this morning is a joke based on you have to write something with the explosive runes spell and the kind of thing that people in D&D groups write is stuff like that, right? right? right. And that's, that's what makes it funny. But like, how would that apply to like the real world? Outside of maybe, you know, like writing a note and like putting it on my computer or something. That's like, I, I actually, I could have seen this. Put like put like a post-it on 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 your computer. It's like, hey, do this thing for me, and then under that, I prepared explosive runes this morning. That would be pretty funny. That'd be I, good. I, I, That'd I, be I good get what you're bit. saying there. Um, again, my my immediate reaction was like, big, <laughs> like, <coughs> big noisy shit comes out of the bathroom. I prepared explosive runes this morning. <laughs> That's how I'm going to ask Rachel if she's shitting. I'm going to be like, hey, are you preparing explosive runes in there? (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, we're over time. Yeah. All right. Um, That was the Fast and Furious. If you have uh, any, if you'd like to write into us about explosive runes or the Fast and the Furious franchise, you can reach us at games at gmail.com or podcasts at gmail.com. You can follow us twitch.tv slash games or youtube.com slash at some various play games where these go out live usually mondays at seven depending on uh how sick any of us are um but uh you know uh that's everything i have um buddy you have anything you're looking to promote uh do i have any, anything looking to promote i am playing zodi on stream this friday um and i will say 
<coughs> excuse me, God. Um, I'm playing somebody on on stream this Friday, and I am showing the. I'm showing new stuff, stuff that hasn't been uh, shown for the game. So if you played that demo and you wanna and you wanna get a, a get a little sneak peek at something uh, a little different for for Zoetti, I would tune the fuck in, as they say. When is uh, when when is the release date for Zoetti? Uh, the re release date for Zoetti is 420. Really? Plays it. Uh, April. It's literally April 20th. Yeah. As as a matter of happenstance, right? Obviously, Zoetti has nothing to do with like weed or whatever. Um, but it's just we like to release on Thursdays, and it happened to fall on the third Thursday in April, and that Thursday is April 20th. So yeah, that is when when Zoetti is releasing. Uh, I'm gonna be doing streams for the next three weeks on on Zoetti. So this stream is I'm showing off some new stuff. Next week's stream, showing off more new stuff. Um, and then the final stream, uh, or not the final stream, but like the, the stream after will be like a big launch day stream, right? Um, where the whole game will be unlocked, will be will be going going pretty hard. I have been pretty good about uh, Zoetti in, in, on streams before. I'm pretty sure I've won Zoetti the last couple of times. Uh, furry stuff. Listen, I'm not not going to say that there's furries in the stream. Because there are going to be furries in this stream. Uh, there's a lot of furries in in, in Zoetti. Uh, in case in case you didn't know, but the, the stream yeah. is falling apart, buddy. I can't close the uh, the do stuff together. Oh, there we go. It's closed. Um, sorry, <laughs> I, I looked at the screen and like you had, we had popped up into the top two thirds, and there was like the like do stuff together. We do this on Discord. That's our secret. Um, uh, but yeah. So anyway, that is the that is the thing that I am doing this week that I want to plug. All right. Well. <laughs> With that, I'm going to say, uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>